Well, happy kickoff Sunday. Let's dive right in. For the last several weeks, I have been going back and forth about whether or not I'm going to put a link out there to a a couple um, different videos that really illustrate what it is that we're talking about in this new series. For those of you that missed last week, we launched a brand new series last week called The New Pharisees. And if you missed that series launch, you can just go to manual.church slash messages and, uh, and get caught up. The original Pharisees, they were influencers in the, in the first century. In their day, many people said, these are the experts. These are the examples. If, if I want to live a God-honoring life, I want to listen to what they have to say, and I want to follow the example that they set. This is what it looks like, people thought, to take a strong stand in their culture. But what does Scripture say about the Pharisees' um, teaching and, and the stand that they took, that example? Well, as Christianity spread throughout the world, the Pharisee brand died out. However, in every new generation, we've seen new religious influencers who identify as Christian, but so much of what they say and so much of what they teach really reminds me of the Pharisees. And those two clips that I mentioned earlier, they're examples of what I'm talking about. In the first clip, there's a very popular pastor, and he's known for taking a very strong stand. Well, he, in this clip, he's part of a panel at, at what's called the Truth Matters Conference. And this is a guy who believes that women shouldn't teach or lead Christian men. Well, as they're getting started with the panel, the moderator asks this pastor, he says, I'm going to do some word association. I'm going to give you a word, and then could you tell me the first word that comes to mind? And then he says a couple words. He says, Beth Moore. Beth Moore, she's a very popular teacher, female Bible teacher. And the pastor's reply, the word association he said was, go home, go home. And the the whole room just erupts in laughter and cheers. If you want to stand strong for something, is that the example that we should follow? All right, so that's the first clip. The second clip, we've got a different pastor And this pastor, he can't believe that people in his congregation aren't voting the way that he does. And he goes on this rant. Here's some actual text. This is word from word from this clip. I'm just not going to do it with the screaming. He's, He's just, he's screaming into this microphone. He says, if you vote Democrat, I don't even want you around this church. You can get out. You can get out, you demon. You baby butchering election thief. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. They are God-denying demons that butcher babies and hate this nation. And as he's screaming this into the microphone, people are laughing and they're cheering him on, his congregation. And in the midst of his rant, he says something very revealing. Let me see if you can catch this. Here's what he says in the midst of his rant. He goes, I'm going to the Supreme Court and I'm going to raise hell for them babies. I'm going to raise Cain, he says, for them. He says he's going to raise hell. He says he's going to raise Cain. He did exactly those two things. That's what he was doing. If you're not familiar with what the Bible says about hell, if you're not familiar with 
who the Bible presents as this individual Cain, I would encourage you to look both of those up. Now, let me say this for the record. For the record. For the record, the amount of apathy that I see in people who identify as Christians when it comes to getting involved with things that matter, it makes me mad. It often makes me angry. I also get angry. I'll just be very candid here. I get angry about how naive people who identify as Christians can be when it comes to their voting. And they think, oh, because this person said they're on the side of justice and these kind of things that they must be telling the truth. I get mad at that sometimes too. And I also get angry not only when I hear this man saying what he says about Democrats, I get angry when I've heard people say the same types of things about Republicans. Makes me angry. My point isn't that having righteous anger feeling that is wrong. My point is this, raising Cain is not how we're instructed to deal with righteous anger. Can I get an amen to that? Raising Cain. In the story of Cain and Abel, Cain is not presented as a role model for us at all, right? Well, last week, last week, I had a symbol behind me. The symbol last week was for biohazard. The symbol that we have up on the screen this week is for radiation, radiation. Today, we're going to have a conversation about radiation. What are you radiating? When you're trying to take a stand, a strong stand, which we need to do, what are you radiating when you take that stand? As humans, we're going to disagree about a lot of things. Can I get an amen to that? We are just, we're going to disagree about a lot of things. What we radiate when we disagree That matters. It matters a lot. In this series, we're looking at a letter that was written by a former Pharisee named Paul who converted to Christianity. Let's see what we can learn and apply about radiation from his letter. If you have your Bible with you, um, please open with me uh, to Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to start with a couple verses we looked at last week to get a running start, and then we'll get into the new content. We're going to pick up right where we left off. We left off on verse 15. We'll pick up on 16. But let's do a little quick review here, Galatians 5 through 8. If you don't have a Bible at home, we would love for you to go home with one. Um, in fact, in the comfort of your own home right now, you can just go to Bible.com, download their free Bible app because it's so important that we read this text for ourselves. All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. It says this, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Here Paul draws from an analogy from athletics. He says it's like this. It's like you're in a race, you're running your race, you're running well, and then someone cut you off. That's what it's like. Who did that to you, Paul asked in the letter? Because whoever did that to you, they're misrepresenting God. They are not sent from him. All right, then Paul says this, be careful. And in verse 9 he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Little leaven leavens the whole lump. We spent a lot of time zeroing in on this last week. This whole idea of what leaven does. Leaven spreads. And when leaven is toxic, that means those toxins spread. And when toxic leaven spreads, we begin turning on one another. Let's go to verse 15. Here's where we left off last week. 
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you will not be consumed by one another. The reason we're doing this series is because we see this so much. We see toxic leaven spreading. We see people at each other, consuming each other. And it's everywhere. Friends, families, churches, entire denominations are turning on one another in really ugly Cain-like ways. Jesus cast a vision for a love one another church that will stand in contrast to the bite and devour culture that we see often all around us. All right, so that's where we were last week. Let's get into our new content, starting with verse 16. Again, this comes right after, right after Paul saying, be careful, don't turn on one another, don't start biting and devouring one another. He goes on to say this, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, Paul is using some very precise language here. In the Old Testament, this idea of walking with God or walking in God's ways, it is a rich and profound word picture. This is more, what what they're talking about here, this is more than just getting guidance. This is having the indwelling presence of the third person of the Trinity in your life, empowering you so that you can know and do God's will. We need the Spirit. Why do we need the Spirit? Paul talks about it here. Because we're flesh. Flesh is also a very vivid um, Old Testament word picture. In the Old Testament, the word we translate here as flesh, it captured human mortality. It captured our weakness. It captured our susceptibility to sin. So we've got this sharp contrast here between spirit and flesh. All right. Between walking by the spirit, even more specifically, and gratifying the desires of the flesh. Let's keep reading. We're going to go verses 17 through 21. 17 through 24. Paul writes, The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. There is a newfound freedom that Paul writes about in Galatians. A newfound freedom that we have when we place our faith in Christ for our salvation and when we're led by his spirit. Now, as Paul makes really clear in this passage that we just looked at, freedom in Christ is not a free-for-all. It's not. As all good fathers do, God put boundaries in place that protect us and protect our communities that we're a part of. Here's one of the traits, though, that I see in today's new Pharisees. The new Pharisees, they're quick to condemn others for some of the things on this list and things beyond this list. They're really quick to do that, like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, drunkenness, allowing women to teach, voting Democrat, voting Republican. They're quick to point out those things, 
But what did they do with the list that Paul himself gave through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? They leave things out. They leave them out. If we could put this, that same verse back on the screen and highlight some of these words. Look at this. They leave out enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. They often practice those things. Now, I have to admit, I had to look up enmity. enmity. I'm like, what even is that? Listen to this, if, unless you already know. Enmity is a state of being actively opposed to or hostile towards someone or something else. You ever see that? Actively hostile towards. Have you ever met anyone who identifies as Christian, who wants you to take a strong stand on some of those things, but they radiate, they radiate enmity and strife and anger and division. That kind of radiation, it's toxic. It's toxic. Now, as Paul continues, he contrasts. He contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. So he continues with this contrast. You've got the works of the flesh. He says, this is what they are. They're all those things. But now there's the fruit of the Spirit, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, we included these verses up at the top of your notes page. And you can download that notes page if you want. Just go to manual.church slash messages or just go to our homepage, click the, the message for today if, if you're watching it this week. Um, and, and we've got that printed up there. If you're looking for a passage to memorize this month, what a great one. Just take it, read it through a couple times every day and you'll be surprised how that gets into your heart, that gets into your, into your mind. It's such a powerful passage. Such a powerful passage. Jesus taught his disciples how to recognize false prophets. He taught us how to do it. In fact, he said, look at their fruit. Matthew 7. You want to know a false prophet? Look at their fruit. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. If you're taking notes, here's a very important distinction. The new Pharisees, they communicate God's law with a very different spirit. They communicate God's law with a very different spirit. Back when Paul the Christian was Saul the Pharisee, he was as toxic as toxic comes. But Saul the Pharisee was transformed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the resurrected Jesus, if you see a teacher who identifies as Christian, but they're still in Saul mode, I'd say that's a warning sign. Watch out because those toxins, they transfer. All that anger transfers. On a related note to this, I invite you to write this down. It is hard to disciple people that you demonize. Can I get an Amen. When you demonize somebody, good luck trying to say, hey, now let me share some good news with you. <laughs> Come and trust me. Listen to what I have to say. If you radiate contempt towards somebody, if you radiate contempt, how likely are they to listen to you? 
And it's not just our words that matter. This is so important. If you're serious about Jesus' great commission, I encourage you to write this down too. Our actions, tone, and body language speak louder than words. That's not just a cliche. They've done studies on this kind of thing. Our actions, tone, and body language speak louder than words. What we radiate affects how we communicate. Can I get an amen to this? Um, a couple years ago at one of those global leadership summits that we talk about, they brought in a speaker um, named Chris Voss. Love Chris Voss. I was talking to Sam. Sam was like, oh, I think he's coming out with some new new content. This guy is amazing. Um, this is a book called Never Split the Dis- uh, Difference. It's by Chris Voss. He used to be the FBI's lead international hostage negotiator for kidnapping. So imagine this. You get pulled into the, some of the toughest kidnapping negotiations there are. He was the lead, lead dude. And when it comes to this whole thing about our actions, tone, and body language, he cited some research. Listen to this. He says, only 7% of our communication is our words. 7%. That means 93% is the rest. They even broke it down. They didn't even round. They broke it down to, it's 38% tone. I don't know how you figure this out. 38% tone, 55% is our face and our body language. Here's another great book, Captivate. This is a great compliment to this one because she dives more into the face and she talks about these micro-expressions. These micro-expressions, um, this is Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. Um, she did a lot of research on this too. And, and our facial expressions, they call, they call them micro-expressions. They're really hard to hide because they happen instinctually. And they're usually only a fraction of a second. Fraction of a second. But we can pick them up in that fraction of a, se- a second. And we've just grown up to recognize what they mean. And it's really hard to mask them. In just a fraction of a second, we communicate things like anger and contempt and disgust on our faces. And in a fraction of a second, people can pick up on that. What we're radiating. What we radiate affects how we communicate. And if you haven't taken notes on anything else, this one is worth noting. God loves you and I hate you is not a good look. If you want to have a good look, God loves you, I hate you, not a good look. If you wrote that down, you might want to add this. Here's some good news. You don't have to choose. This isn't an either or. You don't have to choose between radiating authentic faith or attractive qualities. Fruit of the Spirit are attractive qualities. Ephesians 4.15, Paul says this. He goes, speak the truth in, does anyone know? Speak the truth in love. So evidently that's possible, to speak the truth in love. Colossians 4.6, Paul says this. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, Evidently, that's possible, too, to be gracious in, the, in your speech. And it's not only possible, but these are the kinds of friendships and fellowships that healthy people are attracted to. These are the kind of people we want to be around. These are the kind of places we want to be. Healthy people will distance themselves from friendships and fellowships that radiate Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalry, dissension, division, and envy. Healthy people are drawn to people and places that radiate love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, and self-control. 
you rarely, you rarely have to choose between kindness and conviction. Can I get an amen? It's rare. It is rare when you have to choose between kindness and conviction. But wait, someone's going to argue. Because people love to argue. Didn't Jesus call people out? Yeah, he did. Please, please, please go there. Please, please, please look up the examples where Jesus called people out. Look at the difference between the challenge that he would give to a sincere seeker and look at the difference between that and how he called out the Pharisees. There is a drastic difference. But wait, 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 people are going to say, what about Jesus flipping tables? Jesus flipped tables. He did. And in the one example that we have in Scripture, it was on temple grounds. And what was the context? The context was in a situation where here's a place that was set aside for people to pray, Gentiles to pray, and it was corrupted. That was the example that we have, the one example that we have of Jesus flipping tables. Well, as we highlighted last week, Galatians 5, 6, Paul reminded the church, he says what really counts is faith, but faith expressing itself through, does anyone remember, faith expressing itself through love. That's what really counts. When we lose sight of that, all that's left is empty religion. Can I get an amen to that? All right, now that we spend some time together contrasting works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit, let's go back to those two links that I, that I might send out um, this week in the ECC mail. Let's start with the influential pastor at the Truth Matters Conference. And I don't think I, I mentioned that the name of the church hosting this was Grace. Grace Community. Remember those two things. Truth Matters Conference at Grace Community Church. What happened at a conference called Truth in a community called Grace when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us? Oh, hey, okay, my wording in here doesn't make any sense at all. Let me just try to think, translate my own writing. All right, so what happened at a conference called Truth in a community called Grace doesn't seem to be aligned with when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Was he filled when Jesus came and walked among us, the Word made flesh. Was he filled with grace or was he filled with truth? Trick question, right? He was filled with grace and truth, both. He was filled with both. Well, this pastor that has a reputation for taking a strong stand for the Word, when I watch his video, I don't see strength. I don't see strength. How much strength does it take to go for an easy laugh line? when you're in a room with people who all agree with you? How much strength does that take? Especially in our culture, where, where you pick your tribe, because that's one of the safest plays you can make. You pick your tribe, because then you're only taking fire from one, right? You pick your tribe, and then you throw stones at the other tribe. That, that's one of the safest place, plays you can make in our, in our culture, at least in my opinion. And I should add this too. Did you know Beth Moore is a survivor of abuse, sexual abuse? Shouldn't you also calculate that into your response? If you're a man up on a stage who claims to follow the man who did more to change how society protects values and values women 
or in anyone else who ever walked on this earth. So what might a strong stand looks like, look like? It might look something like this. When the moderator starts down that path, a strong stand might look like, hey, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. We're called to be better than that. You know my stand, he could say, on women in leadership. You know where I stand on this. I believe the scripture is clear. But what is the name of this conference? This is the truth conference. This is the truth conference. Ephesians 4.15 instructs us to speak the truth in love. Beth, he could say, we may disagree with you, but we love you. And he could say, this is Grace Church. Colossians 4.6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. I would say a strong stand would be, hey, if we can't model these things, then we have no business on this stage. That would have been a very unpopular thing to stay in that room. I think that's a stronger stand. All right, well, let's look at the other example. In my mind, the same applies to that pastor who thinks everyone in his congregation should vote like he does or they should leave. That doesn't take strength. That doesn't take strength. When more and more people, as I said before, are taking sides, it takes a whole lot more courage to say, you know what? I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to go open it up in the middle of no man's land and I'm going to invite people to come join me and we're going to take fire from both sides. To me, that takes a whole lot more strength than to just throw red meat, you know, to your base. We were very, 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 very intentional about the placement of this series. We intentionally put this series right before the next one, our series on gender and identity, because we cannot enter that important conversation if it isn't from a spirit-centered place. We just can't. We can't. A couple weeks ago, I finished uh, this book. It's by a woman named Jackie Hill Perry. It's called Gay Girl, Good God. Um, we're going to put it actually on one of the resources that we recommend. From a very early age, Jackie experienced same-sex attraction, and she's from the South. She remembers very vividly and she began to act on those feelings. She began to, to remember very vividly the expressions that she would get from church people and what they radiated towards her. This is a quote from her book. She goes, The southern culture of holiness or hell, passed down through each watcher's bloodline, must have made them think that making a terrible face would make me pick up a Bible. Do our expressions and actions matter? Yes, she was picking up on that. Well, Jackie, as she shares her story, she found herself strangely drawn to God, despite all these experiences. And she experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. And as Jackie began to take her first steps of walking with the Spirit, she hoped that she could find a community of believers that she could walk with. Here's how she put it. She goes, my hope, was that these people would be different. Different like who? 
different like Jesus. Different like Jesus. How do you think this woman, who also had been abused, how do you think she would have felt if she had come into that first church where all of these men are just laughing and mocking another woman that they disagreed with? Would she have felt that they were different like Jesus? Or how about if she walked into the church where the pastor was screaming at her to get out if she didn't vote like he did? In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. When we don't guard our mouths, Paul goes on to say in that letter, he says we grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, and I quote, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Catch the implications there? The Holy Spirit is a seal, a sign that the presence of the Holy Spirit is in us. Her book, again, is one of those books we're going to recommend in the next series. In it, she shares why she decided to marry a man, even though she's still attracted to women. I'm going to let her tell that story, but I do want to show you something that she said about her transformation that happened in her life. Take a look at this. She says, marriage didn't, quote, prove that I changed. What proved that she had changed? Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. I think that is theologically sound. As we bring this teaching to a close, here's what all this comes down to. Here's what all of this comes down to. It comes down to this. Are you radiating increasing levels of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. None of us master all these things ever, but are you rating these things in a little bit more measure as you go on in life? If you're not radiating the fruit of the Spirit, I want to invite you to check your diet, check your fruit. What are you consuming? Because it might be toxic. It might be toxic. At Studio Church, last Tuesday... So it had been two Tuesdays ago, for those of you who are watching. It brought me great joy, great joy, to hear a story that Jason told about uh, 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 one of our former members who moved to Montana had reached out to him and was describing how Emmanuel was this place where God brings together all of these people who come from so many different backgrounds and how we're able to navigate a lot of these tough situations so well. And it's my hope, especially for... Next gen, you know? It's my hope for kids, adults, young adults, teens. It's my hope that that you see people who we don't even claim to be close to perfect. But I hope you see us trying. I hope you see that we're really trying hard to to be faithful to all of Scripture in what we radiate as well as what we say we believe. It's our hope that you see something different, different like Jesus. I have one last quote for all of us. Here it is. I love this quote. The church will serve as a commercial for the coming attraction. 
Love that. Scripture testifies to a day when we're not even going to need the sun or a lamp because the presence of God himself will be radiating such amazing light. Until that day comes, we're called upon to radiate that light. So let's end our time together. Let's seal this time together with this great song where we are straight up inviting the Holy Spirit to be welcome in our lives, in our midst. Would you pray this song with us?